Hello, late night listeners. Uh, this is Brian, and I wanted to let you know that we have a Patreon. It's a really fun thing. It's a great way to support the show, and it gets you access to all kinds of exclusive stuff. We have exclusive mini episodes. We have videos of me, for example, writing music for various things of the show. Leighton's doing all sorts of stuff, and it's just a really fun community. You also get access to our Discord if you sign up for our $5 a month tier or up. So uh, if you like the show and you like what you hear, please check us out over on Patreon. It's really a great way to to support us. Thanks so much. And enjoy Late Night with Brian Wecht. It's my Don Pardo impression. Hey, Brian. What's up? Oh, not much. Just celebrating the one-year anniversary of our podcast. What about you? Hey, hey, is it to the day? Oh, I have no idea. No. <laughs> I'm only thinking in terms of weeks, and this is our 52nd episode. Yeah, fuck it. All right. Yeah, I seem to recall that our very first mini-sode was Valentine's Day recommendations, and then I was like, here's a bunch of fucked up shit. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. I feel like our first episode was in early February. Yeah, we definitely recorded it like maybe a little while before we released it. Yeah. All right. Ha happy one year. Look at us go. Happy one year to you. It's interesting that of all years, 2020 was the year that we uh, started a podcast, as I'm sure many people did. Yes. And we really lucked out in a sense because we got the gear and then a month later, all microphones were sold out. Yeah, yeah. So we like set all this shit up in my garage slash studio I think I did that at the end of January. Jarek actually was a big help with that. He came over and helped me set it up. And that was long before he, you know, he was even a, a twinkle in my eye as the producer of this podcast. Wow. And he came over and helped me set it up. And then a month later, it was like, well, no one can get a mic now because everyone wants to start a podcast. Yeah. I credit this podcast for being the sole reason my social skills over the past year haven't completely atrophied. <laughs> like, yeah, I'll bring this up because it was a peach for me, but I was a part of Bright Spot Live this weekend along with your wife. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, oh, thank God I still know how to interact with other humans, <laughs> even though this is very strange and we're all visibly freaked out like a bunch of baby deer, just unable to make eye contact. <laughs> That's probably the most people you've been around in a year. Is that right? Yeah, the thing before that was, I think, the shoot at Susie's for the witching hour. That was like the one other thing, but that was way fewer people. And I believe the motto, the saying for Bright Spot this weekend was, nobody gets tested. Good luck. Yeah, totally. Just like to get in, they made you spit in each other's mouths as a show of trust and mm -hmm. dominance. Perfect. Rachel fucking tore it up. She was amazing. Always. She's always the best. Did you watch it? No, because Rachel was there. I was with Audrey. Oh, right. And given that... I don't think I could reliably assume it would be family friendly. I did not watch. It was not. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Especially since I knew there was like romance angles going through it. I did not even try. Yeah, my whole role was to have a meet cute with Anthony Carboni, but also I realized, so it's like me showing up twice before we later have the meet cute. And every time I show up, Anthony gets me kicked out. But that led to Matt and Ryan in hazmat suits throwing a pillowcase over my head and dragging me out twice. But we did like several rehearsals beforehand. So I think I got dragged off like six times. And that was the most I've touched another human in like wow. months. And then the next day I was like, 
why do I feel like I got beaten up? Like, why do my arms hurt? <laughs> it's like, yeah, dipshit, you got dragged off a bunch of times. That's great. And it was by Matt and Ryan all times. All times. And then later, you know, as the punchline, they drag Anthony out and he just completely ragdolled. And I was like, why the fuck didn't I think to ragdoll? Like, what the hell? <laughs> that would have been better. Yeah. Yeah. Just go full Skyrim NBC. That's fantastic. Well, I'm glad y'all had a good time. It sounded like a great event and I wish I could have seen it. Yeah, I went home and slept forever. Still asleep now. But being at Dynasty, which folks who have only listened to the podcast, is where we had our two first late night live shows. And then we also did a Dream Daddy one. And just being there was like, oh, fuck, I miss doing shows. Yeah. Just being on a stage, drunk in the green room, <laughs> having <laughs> fucking who was it? Toby McGuire and Moshe Kasher and Natasha Laguerre come into the green room to find us oh, right. chowing down on Taco Bell and being like, who the fuck are you guys? <laughs> I remember there were some comedians I liked who were on right before us. And it was Moshe and Natasha. They were great. They were super sweet. Didn't get to talk to them at all, but they're both great. Yeah. Just had a passing interaction while just choking on a Crunchwrap Supreme and too much whiskey. So, okay. We've been at this a year now, which every week for a year, like we've actually done it. Yep. Reflections. We didn't prepare anything for this. Nope. We do have uh, something special coming up, but what do you think? I think we're doing a pretty good job considering that most podcasts prior to 150 episodes, it's nearly unlistenable. I would say it's very listenable. <laughs> yes. I'm sure further down the line, we'll be like, oh no, this what's popping bit sucks. Well, I believe we also said that immediately. So I think we're ahead of the curve. I think I've potentially said every episode, this is the worst episode we've ever done. Mm -hmm. But you know, as with all podcasters, I think a good podcaster like has some amount of ire for uh, their own performance over time. Yes. Doughboys is real good with that shit of just thinly veiled hatred. <laughs> well, anyone who listens to themselves and they're like, I'm fucking awesome. I don't trust that person. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck is my voice? Like, what is this? You can be confident, but overconfidence, it almost ensures that you're an asshole. Overconfidence plus podcasting is not a good combo. Yeah. Like you just fucking know that Rogan listens to every episode or whatever. Just erect and on DMT. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> just thinks he's amazing. Yeah. How are you feeling, Brian? I feel great. This has been a really, really... This is not an intentional callback, but a real bright spot in a pretty shitty year. Yeah. It's been really fun to do this with you because both of us, you know, we were just kind of in it and just kept it going. It's a lot of work. Yeah. And requires a lot of like scheduling and commitment. And time and energy and... And not flaking out and stuff like that. And the fact that yeah. we can both show up consistently mm -hmm. and do it, I think is really, it, it takes a lot of work. It's like a miracle that we've kept it going for this long and hopefully kind of yeah longer. I was talking to Brent over the weekend and he was like, you and Brian, what a good match. I never would have guessed. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that means, Brent. <laughs> well, it was pretty random too. I don't think I've ever quite told this story. I can't remember. But I remember coming to the Grumps office one day and being like, okay, Brent, this is before, this is a podcast. I want to host a live talk show where we interview like YouTubers and digital people. And he was like, great. Who would you want to do that with? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I hadn't really thought about it. The way he phrased it was, if you're Conan, who's your Andy? Yeah. And I remember sitting in that break room and we had just seen the Dream Daddy show, the panel thing at the Dynasty pretty recently. And I can't remember if he suggested it or I I really can't remember, but he was like, what about Layton? And I was like, oh my God, yes, that would be like the perfect fit. Because I did say 
I don't want it to be another white male. Let's get a white lady instead. (laughs) (laughs) And then the thing that happened that made it even better was that it was not host and sidekick. It's like co-host. Yeah. Which is so, so much better. Yeah. And I remember we had a bunch of those meetings at Brent's office where it was just you and me being like, what the fuck is this show? What is the format? And then you were like, I have a name for it. And I was like, there's no fucking way we're going with the name late night. (laughs) Yet we did. Yeah. I don't know how much it reads to people as being a spin on late night. I don't either. And it's one of the things I care the least about also. Oh, yeah. Fuck you if you don't get the name. Yeah. I am also surprised more people don't think my last name is Knight. Oh. Because I've gotten plenty of those arbitrary username choices you make as a child that just haunt you for the rest of your adult life. Yeah, it's fun. Well, the other thing is it doesn't work as a podcast name, right? (laughs) Yeah. It doesn't like convey what the show is about. And then even when you try to pitch it, it's like a couple of like how many people just having their friends shooting their shit. (laughs) Well, because that's the other thing. So we did the live show. I guess we'll indulge in some more history here. We did the live show with Jack, right? Uh, Jack's Films was our first guest. Is that right? Yeah. Ethan was second. But Jack was like, I was such a huge fan of his shit in high school. So it was very wild to uh, just have him on board. And what a sweet fucking guy. He's the best. Just the best. Was down for anything, came to the office for like a production meeting. Yeah, he's just fantastic. He was a great guest. And we did that and we got a nice little audience. And then we did couple months later, three months later, whatever, did another show with Ethan. And it was also great. He's the best. And we got to the end of that and we were like, okay, I don't think we're going to quite get the number of people in the live show if it's like a live show every three months or whatever. Yeah. And then early in 2020, probably in January, maybe at the end of 2019, we decided like, hey, let's make this a podcast rather than just a live show. Yeah audience building. A little bit easier than being like, all right, we got to get the venue and we got to pay the venue and we got to figure this out and we got to move tickets and yeah. Yeah. And also, which I didn't put together at the time, but is very true. This is exactly what happened with NSP where Danny and I started like just doing comedy shows in New York, just, you know, not even thinking about YouTube. And then a few months in, we're like, Well, I think maybe the reason that nobody's showing up at these shows is (laughs) because no one knows who the fuck we are. Right. And so then we quickly pivoted to doing mainly YouTube stuff and then attracted a larger audience through that. And then, of course, one thing led to another. And now it's 12 years later. Actually, 12 years this week is uh, 12 year anniversary of NSP. Wow. Congratulations. Fuck. Thanks. Yeah. But it's funny to me that it's like that. Hey, let's try this live thing. Well, no one's showing up. All right, let's go digital. (laughs) Yeah, because we were, we had a live show planned for March and, uh, you know. With Erica. Yes. Oh my God. Fuck. And it was going to be really fun and cool. And I'll say we barely moved any tickets and then we're like, all right, well, COVID. So. Yes. Whatever this COVID thing is, we should be safe and cancel it and we'll reschedule for soon. That's right. I think we sold like 10 tickets. (laughs) Yeah. I think it was maybe under that. Despite some very aggressive promotion, but completely understandable. Fucking selling tickets to a show in L.A. is nigh impossible. Yes. And also the pandemic was starting and it was a tough move, but it was the right thing to do to cancel it, regardless of how many tickets we sold. Yeah. Wow. This podcast has been super, super fun. Honestly, the best part, which I didn't anticipate, is catching up with old friends. Just doing these things that, I mean, it used to be common, you know, you'd call someone, talk to them for a while and, you know, but I never do that 
anymore because I interact with people as you do online. And it is so rare to find the time to just sit down for a couple hours with someone I really like and find really interesting and just talk. Yeah. And that's what this has been. Well, on my side of that, it's like I've made so many new friends through the show. Like Miles, Rachel, Elise, just keeping in touch. And I love making friends. It's fun. Yeah. And it's also just generally has been a real like social confidence booster. Like I've always been an introvert with bad social anxiety, but I feel like especially even with COVID over the past year, I've gotten a lot more like, okay, I'm not an idiot. Let's go. People seem to enjoy talking to me. So surely I must not be that bad. Well, that's what I was going to say is that anxiety does not show up as far as I can tell at all on the podcast. Like you're a great host, a great interviewer. I don't sense any reluctance to talk to people who in many cases for you, I'd say 75% of the guests that we've booked are people that I know that you don't know, right? Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. So you're just kind of thrown into the deep blue sea with these people. And I don't think we've had a single episode and I'm sure this will not be the case forever, but so far we haven't had a single episode where like shit really flames out. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we might have had a few that were not like as good as others at the beginning. Oh, sure. But like, I think both of us as interviewers is not the right word because I think we may have asked a total of like two genuine interview questions in uh, an entire year of the show. But just in terms of keeping the conversation going and to Jarek's credit of like making our long ramblings a lot more intelligible than they are in the moment. Yeah, that's another thing. Speaking of Jarek, another thing I want to point out that has been really instrumental this year is around, it was episode 13, I think. Jarek agreed to come on and be producer and handle all the audio stuff. I've known Jarek for, before that, probably at least a year, probably closer to two years, because he's been working with our producer, Jim Roach, NSP, in that case, is the hour. And I was like, Jarek's an awesome dude. He's a great musician and just a really funny, cool guy. I knew he'd be great at the audio stuff. What I didn't anticipate as much, which I'm even happier about, is that he has become part of the on-air presence and that he shows up and he's really funny and he's great bits. Anytime we get to do one of these with Jarek is just a joy because I know we're going to have a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. When it's people that I don't know, it's still great and I have fun because usually, you know, we get along with people. But there is definitely a real comfort of having people like Jory or Allie on where it's like, yeah, we're just friends and we're doing pretty much the exact same thing we would do in a Discord call except with an audience. Yes. It's been nice to have both of them as repeat guests. I feel like once we get to about a year, that's a solid length of time to repeat a guest. We're allowed. We could have jewelry every week and people would love it because he's the best. And I would love it. (laughs) It's also like podcasts that I enjoy. I love the episodes when they have repeat guests or just people who are clearly good friends. Like it's just a good energy. Yeah, totally. It's palpable the difference between people who like hang out regularly and people who don't really know each other. Yeah, it's the vocabulary. And I think a really big part of the show's success and like our ability to keep doing it is because of you, listener, audience. (laughs) Y'all are very cool. This is me attempting to do a segue. Considering that it's a year, we should uh, stop jerking ourselves off and let other people jerk. No, (laughs) Um, (laughs) what I'm saying is we wanted to do a call-in show. And then we were like actually doing a call-in show where people call in live. It's probably going to be a clusterfuck. We asked you all to send us some voice messages which Brian has listened to. I have not. So these will all be fresh for me, but we figured we would, you know, try something different. Yep. We actually got a lot of these. We put the word out generally. I think most of these are from like Patreon slash Discord people. 
Excuse me, I'm about to burp. <clears throat> awesome. Whoa, that was a good one. Yeah, that's what happens when I pound two cans of LaCroix. Can I guess flavor? Yes. Are they both the same flavor? I'm not going to answer that. Okay, I'm going to say lime and pomplamoose. It's lime and lime. Oh, fuck. Yeah, so people sent these in. And they're really, really sweet. I was listening to them in our kitchen last night, and Rachel was like, why are you smiling so much? Because that's unusual for me. (laughs) And I said, because we're getting these really sweet, wonderful messages. Also, the thing I didn't expect as much is that hearing people's voices, these voices of the people that have been listening to this, is really special and fun. And we're getting different accents, you know, different ways of speaking. And it really felt like, oh, yeah, look, these are the people behind the posts. I really loved it. Inside the poster studio. That's right. So Layden has not heard these. I'm going to kick this off with one from uh, someone who's actually been a big part of our podcast behind the scenes, at least in terms of the Discord. So this is a message from one of our lovely mods on the Discord server, who's been a big, big part of helping us maintain that community, which is really wonderful. Just totally sweet people. Yeah, Levi and Drizzly Bear just kill it. Yep, although Drizzly didn't send us a message, so. Uh, What the fuck, Drizzly? How dare you? But here's a message from Levi. Hello, Leighton and Brian. This is Levi, one of the just all around dashing and marvelous moderators of the Leighton Night with Brian Wilson Patreon Discord server. <laughs> I just want to congratulate you guys on one whole year of Leighton Night with Brian Williams. Honestly, it has been such a peach to listen to this podcast, Leighton Night with Brian Erect, regularly through the past year and see it evolve over a full 50 episodes. Leighton Night with Brian Wolf is one of my favorite podcasts, and honestly, you guys are really killing it. I'm really excited to see Leighton Night with Brian Brecht continue to grow and change over the next year. And so, you know, in honor of the one-year anniversary of this wonderful show, Late at Night with Brian Wallace, I wanted to ask about the general experience of making the show through such a difficult year. Give us a little behind-the-scenes action. Considering you guys switched to recording remotely when the show was, you know, still very much new, what was it like trying to adapt to the challenges? Did you have trouble maintaining the kind of motivation and consistency that you needed, you know, as things developed? Just again, a big congratulations to one year of Late at Night with Brian Wolf. Please stay safe. I... Love that so much. Levi, you have such a mellifluous voice. Wow. Yeah, it's great that you have a great voice. I believe that's the first time I've heard his voice. Mm-hmm. So first of all, a funny bit <laughs> with the names. Extremely good bit. I did chuckle. Very well written. I think very well written and very well delivered. Haste. Yeah, absolutely. Expert. So how would you answer his question? I would answer that because we only recorded like Four. I think the last one that we recorded in person was the one with Allie. Mm-hmm. That like we didn't really have a full feel for what it's like to record in person, at least for me. And so I feel like the switch wasn't that difficult. But I, I will say I've been like almost reticent to have certain people that we are close to on while we're recording remote. Like there are just some people like Aaron or, you know, Matt and Ryan who like I think the energy in the room would be an important element of things. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, like, I don't know, it's definitely been a lot easier to just schlub on over to the computer and turn on the mic. Yeah, I'm actually very grateful that we were forced to go remote because initially it really was like, all right, people got to be in the room. And very quickly we pivoted to no because that's unsafe and then immediately opened up the entire world to guest options. And I think are vastly stronger for it as a show. Absolutely, yeah, because we're not limited to geographical stuff. Completely. As soon as we were like, all right, we're going remote, I brought one of the mics and gear that we had in this garage in my studio over to Layton, and we just started recording. 
Honestly, there wasn't that much technical bullshit. I feel like we figured it out pretty fast. I almost feel like we have more technical bullshit now. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Yes, totally. Coming on the heels of however long it took us to set this up. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll get into that later. Loop back. Love it. But yeah, like I think we pivoted pretty fast and it, it did not feel like a huge heavy lift and makes booking people far, far, far easier. The other thing about booking people in person in LA, if you don't live in LA, you don't know this, is that on paper, what looks close is not close in practice. So you might be like, oh, that person's only whatever, five miles away. All right, that could be an hour drive. Yeah. Traffic is so unpredictable and awful that it's very hard to get people to show up at a place in Los Angeles. To very generously provide us with their free time to do a silly podcast. Like, we don't have enough of a budget to pay people to show up for this. So people are generously donating their time. And if we're asking them to drive on top of just being in the room, that's like, it can be like a four or five hour commitment. Yeah. I think we handled it. I love the way we're doing this now. I mean, honestly, when it is safe to be in the same space as other people, I don't know that we will most of the time. In fact, I think we probably won't. I agree. I think it'll make it easier to do like $15 tier, like Patreon video content. Yes, for sure. That opens up a lot of stuff that we will actually physically be able to do. But I'm so grateful that I have this mic set up for the pandemic because it would just be hell trying to figure out like, okay, this headset doesn't work with this. Can you hear me? Like, Oh God, yeah. Just having good headphones, a good mic, the focus right, all of it has made actually interacting with people way easier and not stress hell. Totally. All right. Uh, Let's move on to our next message. This one is actually in two parts for no particular reason. And this is from Lee and is a follow-up to a question that they asked us previously. So, <gasps> Wow. All right. Hit me. Hey. So my name is Lee. My pronouns are they, them. And this is a clarification slash update on an email I sent to you guys that you answered uh, about how I fell asleep watching Lord of the Rings with my girlfriend and I wanted <gasps> to ask her to watch them again with me. So first off to clarify, it was all of them. It was the entire trilogy, marathon style, in like one day, not the extended edition, just the regular ones. And I fell asleep somewhere in the middle. So I did end up asking her, I think, the same day that the episode came out, because once I sent it in, I kept thinking about it. And I just need the extra push of somebody else being like, just ask you, weirdo, how badly do you think this is going to go? So I asked her, I think almost exactly the same way you laid it out. Like, hey, I'm sorry I fell asleep that one time, but I want to watch this again because I know it's important to you. And I think it sounds fun. Uh <laughs> And she told me no. <laughs> she shot me down. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I asked her, and she said, no, it's okay, babe. You don't have to do that for me. And I tried to reiterate, like, no, I, I really want to do this. And she, again, said, no, it's fine. <laughs> so that's how that went. <laughs> it wasn't completely fruitless, though, because literally last night we watched two hours of The Hobbit, which is most of it. So <laughs> it went somewhere. Thanks, I guess, guys. <laughs> All right. Yes, go Lee. A lovely follow-up. So congratulations, Lee. You got out of watching it. This was the ulterior motive. I like the phrase, so we watched two hours of The Hobbit, which is most of it, which I think is very funny. Yeah, what's the runtime of The Hobbit? I'm assuming it's three hours, like all of those films. Are you a big Lord of the Rings head? I used to be real into those books when I was 12. Mm -hmm. I think as most 12-year-olds are. 
Yeah. I saw all the Lord of the Rings movies in the theater, and I think I saw the first two Hobbit movies. I mean, I love the Lord of the Rings movies. I haven't seen them in a long time, but I remember really, really loving them. The Hobbit ones, I just couldn't really care about. Yeah, the Hobbit ones, like just the inherent nature of releasing them, like the pacing is so awful where it's like- It's so slow. We're going to get this big musical number and then nothing else is going to happen. Oh boy. I'm also like, I don't love Martin Freeman for some reason. I don't know why. Oh, interesting. I just, I don't like to see him. I think he's a very talented actor, but I'm just always like, slightly put off by his presence. Well, then I know we've talked about this. You got to watch season one of Fargo, the TV show, because he is designed to put you off there. Oh, yeah. I've watched like maybe three or four episodes of it. And I like all this stuff with him and Billy Bob Thornton. Like it's big. So great. Big inspiration for a thing that I'm working on right now. So I really need to get back on Fargo. Yeah, I've liked him since The Office. I think he's great. But yeah, am I going to go read The Lord of the Rings again ever in my lifetime? Maybe if Audrey wants to, but probably not on my own. You know what? There is more of a rational explanation for why I don't like him. It's just embarrassing. Oh, yes. I was hardcore into the BBC Sherlock Tumblr fandom for like a long time as a teenager. Nice. So now seeing Bendy Dick Cucumber Patch and Martin Freeman just like (laughs) presses right on my vagus nerve and triggers a fight or flight reaction. It was a really tragic time to be a gamer. Do you agree now, in hindsight, that Sherlock is terrible? Oh, it sucks ass. It sucks so hard, dude. It's pretty rough. I was in it for like season one, so I never watched any of the follow-up seasons. And it's just like, this is such a dog shit show. Why was I so into this? What are there, four seasons? I watched the first three. (laughs) How many fucking seasons? I just completely stopped paying attention. I think there are four. But yeah, folks who were on Tumblr, it like peaked Sherlock. I remember when the Reichenbach Fall episode went out and everyone was losing their collective minds, like all the conspiracy theories, just everything, the gift sets, the fanfics, anybody out there who watched Sherlock and read the fic alone on the water, you know what I'm talking about. That fan fiction is like some slow burn, like unrequited, but then Sherlock gets cancer and dies. <laughs> really? What? Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. This is not in the show. This is the fan fiction. This is the fan fiction. Alone on the water. It's not good. I feel like Sherlock is very, well, for obvious reasons, very moffity, and (laughs) which means that it looks pretty cool. It has some really great actors. It has a veneer of intelligence, which (laughs) falls apart the moment you think about it at all. Yeah. And I was not a classic Doctor Who fan growing up. I don't think I've ever seen like to this day, a single full episode of old Doctor Who. Right. Uh, Let's say pre-Eccleston is what I mean by that. And then I've seen every episode since they rebooted it with Eccleston. And, you know, it went through a few different eras. Mm -hmm. Russell Davies and then Stephen Moffat. And then I think it was Chris Chibnall after Moffat. It still is. But the Moffat stuff, some of those episodes are amazing. Like legit incredible. Mm -hmm. And then most of them, you're just like, no, come on. I really loved the Eccleston Doctor arc. Yes. I actually remember the very first episode I ever saw of Doctor Who is the one that like everyone pans as being one of the worst episodes ever. It's the- uh, Which is? The one with the electric light orchestra cover bands. (laughs) I don't even remember that. It's the girl who plays Moaning Myrtle in- the Harry Potter movies like ends up getting stuck in a block of concrete. And then there's like at the end of the episode, like some sort of implication that this block of concrete lady is going to give the main guy a blowjob. 
I have no memory of this. This was an Eccleston one? I think so. Because it was like he and Rose were like barely in it. Billy Piper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was amazing. I liked some of the Tenant episodes and I never really watched it after that. It felt like I was caught up in the rush of Tumblr fandom and less actually interested in the text, you know? Yeah. I love Matt Smith. Matt Smith is my favorite of those new doctors. Tenant was great. Peter Capaldi, I just love in general. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think all of them have been really, really good. I think Jodie Whittaker is fantastic, although her episodes have universally been pretty bad. But she is great. Just I don't like the writing in those episodes. But at some point, there have been diminishing returns with Moffat. Yeah. And I like a lot of what he's trying to do, but sometimes he takes these big swings, which is great, as you should, and sometimes they don't work, which is kind of to be expected when you're taking big swings. But what I don't like is that I feel like they don't work because they weren't really thought about carefully in some cases. No. And then as always with stuff that is not well thought through and then presented as if it's really brilliant, like that shit pisses me off. Yeah. One of my all-time big pet peeves is puzzles or riddles that have to be solved in media because they generally are either impossible There's some deus ex machina thing that shows up and you're like, oh, that's what it's about. Or so immediately obvious that you can't believe the characters can't figure them out immediately. The Irene Adler, I am Sherlocked password is like, oh, awful. Exactly. Awful. Exactly what I'm talking about. This isn't available on the internet anymore, but in one of my darkest moments, you know, there is like the meme of like shit X fandom says. Mm -hmm. I made a shit. Sherlock fans say video in high school and it's oh what I wouldn't give to see this I still have it you're not allowed to watch it (laughs) I want to see it now (laughs) it's not happening Brian maybe someday maybe someday year two it was rough that was a peak awkward braces high school Layton oh yes please yes let's move on to some more messages yeah 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 totally okay we're gonna do a thing I'm going to play this, and I want you to see if you can guess who this is. Okay. Hello, Brian. Hello, Layden. It's night here, so I have to be quiet, which is why I sound so creepy right now. (laughs) But I just wanted to say hi and wish you both uh, congratulations on one whole year. That is one year longer than something that is less than that. Um. (laughs) Bye. Who was that? I want to say Robert, but I was pretty sure he's American. So I'll give you a hint. I believe this person is not on our Discord. Oh, fuck. I don't know. <laughs> Let's see if I can give you a hint. This person is Danish. Nope. That is the voice of one Shucheru. Oh, fuck. Okay. I was thinking that in my head, but I did not say it. Wow, that's lovely. Hey. Yep. You have a very relaxing voice. Lovely, lovely guy with a really great voice. So talented. Is so talented, just crushes everything he does. I've met him in person because uh, he came to the NSP show in Copenhagen. And he gave me these very lovely little wooden birds that we still have on our mantle. And just a real sweetheart of a guy who, and his work is the best. And I've worked with him on various things for many years now. And it's just great to hear his voice and that he sent that in too. Because he's a very sweet weirdo, which I say with love. Yeah, much in the same way that like, weirdo fucker and bastard are like deep terms of endearment for me. I should actually probably talk to my therapist about that, but yeah, you know, it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, once I'm around normal humans and not the same insular group of friends that I've been slowly going insane with over the past year, I'm going to like lovingly call somebody a bastard and they're going to be like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. All right, next message. Hey there, Brian and Leighton. First off, congratulations on one whole year of the Leighton Night with Brian Weck podcast. I just want to personally thank you guys for an amazing year of content. You've helped me get through what was a pretty terrible year for me and my family. But I'm Ian also known as Swajam on the Discord and online. Uh, I'm the guy who posts way too many shrimp pictures of poor to middling quality on the Discord. And if I could impart some advice on fish tanks in general, I would say (laughs) if you are planning on starting a fish tank, you should really buy the tank first and get your water in there. Let it sit. You want the beneficial bacteria to build up so that it's safe to put fish in there. Make sure that something's going to be taking care of those nitrates and nitrites, things that'll kill your fish with ammonia. So get some real plants in there, get some water in there. If you're planning on getting something like a betta fish, I recommend at least a 10 gallon. And if you want something that is more maintenance and more expensive than something as fun and collectible as mechanical keyboards, get into fish keeping. It's truly wonderful. (laughs) All right, stay safe and come hard. Yay, Ian. This is more than I could have ever hoped for. This is up there with like the safe anal sex email. This is beautiful. Also agree. Yeah, folks, beta fish are not meant to be kept in like a little fish bowl. Like it's abuse that they put them in the little Tupperware containers in the store. They need a lot of space. I don't know much about fish tanks, but I do know that they can be a huge pain in the ass. Is Ian known for giving fish advice? I pop in and out of the Discord. I've only seen brief mentions of shrimp chat. Yeah, I guess I have missed literally all of that. (laughs) So when this took a hard left into fish advice, I was like, okay. A hard, beautiful left. Yes. Really, Ian, a brilliant segue there into, and if I have one thing to say about fish, I was like, all right, I guess guess we're going there. Yeah, thank you, Ian, for that lovely advice. Yeah, that's necessary information. Folks, if you have any areas of expertise that you would like to share some general tips about, please let us know because- Oh, that's good. That's fun. I like that shit. That is a very good show idea. That'd be great for a call-on show, like very specific advice. Yeah. Right. On something that you're like kind of an expert on. I keep thinking about the anal sex one because there was one tip that I forgot to throw in that was not mentioned that is extremely important. Folks, if you're going to put anything in your ass, it's got to have a flared base. Because mm. if you get something in your butt and it doesn't have a flared base your asshole is going to form a little vacuum and then you got to go to the emergency room. I say this awkwardly like I've done this, but I've just read enough Reddit posts where it's like, folks, you got to, there's no shame in being like, yo, I got something in my ass and you got to get it out. There's some things that are just common sense ass advice and that's one of them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just take care of that little hole. (laughs) (laughs) Episode title. Take care of that little hole. Or maybe just the acronym. That sounds like a terrible, like, smooth jazz, some sort of, like, general crooner song. Oh, you know what? I'm going to write that down as one of the titles for my smooth jazz album. (laughs) Take care of that little hole. (laughs) Yeah. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. This is a day after Valentine's. Of that little hole. Did you guys do anything special for Valentine's Day? We just had a dinner with the three of us. I mean, not exactly fancy. We got a frozen beef thing from Trader Joe's and reheated it and had some bread with artichoke dip. The more special thing was the morning where Rachel made red and pink heart-shaped pancakes because she's the best mom in the world. Oh, that's so sweet. Yep. We got 
Audrey a Baby Yoda doll, which <laughs> I really want this to happen. For Halloween, she wants to be the Mandalorian so she can carry around this Baby Yoda doll, which would be oh the fucking God. cutest thing in the world. Can you imagine her in little Beskar armor? I see it now. I was talking to Rachel at Bright Spot while we were waiting for the show to go live, and she was showing me the little picture of Baby Yoda that Audrey painted. So cute. Oh, yes. Yeah, she actually did a really good like freehand Baby Yoda. All right, moving on. We were just told that this message got left on the answering machine at the Game Grumps office. Hello, Mr. Layton Knight with Brian Wecht Podcast. <laughs> this is your parole officer, Peter Zahut, calling to inform you that by hosting this podcast, you are in direct violation of California Penal Code 3056, and we will not hesitate to prosecute with the full extent of the law. Again, this is Officer Pete Zahut. Please call back. My number is eight. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck, dude, they're on to us. What's up? I miss you, dude. (laughs) Leighton, how did you know? How could I have possibly known? It wasn't like severe alarm bells went off in my (laughs) head of like, oh, fuck, somebody called the office. (laughs) Pete Zahut. Very funny. Yeah. Very funny. I have no response to that, and we're moving on. All right. I can't go back to prison, Brian. Can't do it. (laughs) This message is from Alex. Hello, my name's Alex. I'm a long-time listener, first-time caller. First things first, I want to say, Leighton, you're not crazy. I also imagined a little running guy next to the car when I was a child who would, like, swing off of lights and, like, grind on fences like Sonic the Hedgehog. (laughs) Well, congrats on one year. I really love the show. It's my favorite podcast. I've tuned into every episode so far. And I can't say that I listen to any other podcast as consistently as this one. I'm sure you get asked questions like this quite a lot. But uh, how does someone have a creative career? Like, you know, what steps can someone take in order to be in a place where they're being paid to do things that are creatively fulfilling? I'm sorry if I sound a little nervous. It's because I am. You people are very big inspirations to me. And I just want to say congrats on one year. Here's to many more. Thank you, Brian, Leighton, Jarek, and goodbye. I'm learning that all Leighton Night listeners just have really nice voices. (laughs) Right? Well, I want to respond to this first, but get ready for the next one, which, oh, this next voice is going to be awesome. But I wanted to play this, first of all, because it's a lovely message. Second of all, because this is a question we actually do get a lot that I think we have not particularly ever answered. Yeah, because the answer, at least from my end, is deeply unglamorous. Yeah, because everyone I know who has a creative career where they get paid for it, like a full-time creative career, the answer is, I don't know, it just kind of fucking happened. Yes. And, I mean, there are people who, like, go to school for a thing, and then they intern, and then they get a job, and then they kind of follow a straight line. That is certainly one way to do it. It's not a guaranteed way to do it, but that's one way. Nothing is a guaranteed way to do it, which I think is what makes it so challenging. Yeah. The part two of that answer that I almost would argue is more important is that getting into a creative career requires consistent butt-in-seat hours. When you don't feel like doing it, when you're having whatever form of block, you just got to sit in a chair and just plug away at it, even if it's just for an hour every day. Like, just keep going. Oh, it feels like such hack advice, but it's also like, if you got to work a job that is not creative and do creative stuff on the side, like 
you're doing great. That's a difficult thing to make happen. And by doing that, you are already taking the steps to get closer to where you want to be. But it's also about like finding the joy in creating for creation's sake and not just doing it of like, oh, I'm doing this to advance career. Obviously, that's a part of it. But just like not fixating all of the prospective happiness on X goal, but just being able to provide yourself with that sort of creative fulfillment, I think is one of the most like necessary things you can do and being able to maintain like a level of passion and excitement for it. And I would say for all the people that I work with, it's like all of these people are constantly, consistently doing stuff and they're super excited about it. So it's just maintaining that enthusiasm and it's more of a marathon than a sprint. Yeah, I I completely agree. In my case, again, I have such a weird, stupid path Mm -hmm. that same. I can't tell anyone, oh, well, go to grad school for science and then, you know, do some comedy on the side and 10 years later, that'll become a thing. Like it's no, it just won't work like that. But the only thing I'd say is I kind of want to answer a question that wasn't asked, which is when we do these like Q and a things before NSP shows, people do ask this kind of question a bunch. And one thing I always like to point out is that just because you're not doing something full time doesn't make you less legitimate as an artist, as a musician, as whatever, any kind of creator. So not everybody is able to do what they want to be doing creatively as a full-time job, but that doesn't make you worse at it or less of a thing. It just makes you doing it kind of at different times. So I think it's really important to say that, you know, just because you do something quote unquote off the clock doesn't mean you're not every bit as good or I keep saying legitimate. I can't think of a better word at it as someone who's doing it full-time. They're exactly the same thing in terms of what can potentially come out of it. Yeah, and piggybacking on top of that, like I feel like a lot of people end up, and I've certainly done this too, of devaluing yourself where you're like, oh, I'm not a writer or I'm not an artist, I just draw. It's like, if you make music, you're a musician. If you draw things, you're an artist. Like you're not an aspiring artist, you're, you're an artist. Yes. You're maybe aspiring to be a better artist. You're already there, man. Yeah, totally. Also speaking to the imagining like people running next to your car like all week. <laughs> Some people tweeting me like, nope, same thing. Oh my God. Yeah. It's a thing. It's definitely a thing. Oh, it's absolutely a thing. And I I appear to be in the minority on this. I saw so many people say, oh yeah, I did that all the time. And I saw someone say they thought it was because of platformers, which I thought, I don't know how likely that is, but possible, I guess. That's pretty legitimate because for me, and also like sort of the common theme I was seeing through everybody who was talking about it was like, oh, it's always like swinging off lampposts, running along fences, like very platformery. Yeah. For me, I was imagining Kim Possible because I was a really big fan of the show Kim Possible. Mm -hmm. And also there were like, Disney Channel used to have like really fucking dope Flash games, RIP, but they had like this amazing three-parter, like Kim Possible platformer that I was just obsessed with. If anybody knows what I'm talking about, that shit was great. Cool. All right, moving on. Hell yeah. Ready for this? Am I? Hey there, gamers. Grant here. Agony Grant on all the socials. Hey. Hope you guys are doing great. Happy first birthday to the podcast. Congratulations, Layton, on making it 12 months in without brutally murdering Brian. Your restraint is commendable. I do have a question for you. If you could go back and apply the skills you have now to any project, creative or otherwise, that you've ever been a part of, what would it be and what would you do differently? Nothing but love for the Late Night team. Thanks for being awesome. And shout out to all the talented peaches on the Discord. Cheers, guys. Wow. That is Grant. Hey, Grant. We'll say it with our American accents. Grant. (laughs) Grant. Really get that A in there. Yeah, of course. We have so many, like, non-American listeners. This is very interesting. Very interesting, yeah. 
<laughs> being an American, you can only think about America. Wow. Yeah. So I think that question is difficult to answer because if I could go back and do any fix any creative project with the skills that I have now, I would be redoing every single thing I've ever done in my life. Uh-huh. And nothing is ever finished. I had an oil painting teacher in high school who was like, it doesn't matter if your painting is finished, it matters if it's resolved. And so I always look at any creative project of like, well, this isn't finished because if I was aiming to finish it in a traditional sense of like, oh, this meets all my standards, I would never get anything done. It's just about getting it resolved and doing the next thing. Yeah, I would honestly, if I could do anything differently, none of them would be artistic and they would all be like project management things. Yeah. I wish I had been better at communicating that I wanted this done or I wish I had been a better listener it's that kind of thing that I feel like I could have the most impact. It's like more of an interpersonal thing, right? Yeah, that's a good way of saying it. It's how to best communicate with a team of people. Because artistically, like you said, it's just too endless. Honestly, I feel like the biggest advice I would give myself is, even if it seems like you're being a little bit pushy, be very, very clear about what you want. Don't be uncool about it, but... Don't expect people to read your mind, I think is a big thing. It's exactly it. Don't expect people to read your mind. Say, here is what I'd like, and here's the deadline I have in mind. Because I've been through a number of projects, and this happens with literally everything, where you're like, oh my God, this is taking a while. And if upfront, I had just been like, I need this done at this time, and I need you know a first draft here, and that sort of stuff, that's not to say it would have worked, because who knows? But rather than just trusting that someone knows what I want, yeah, I would rather have communicated that clearly in a friendly way rather than just kind of be conflict avoidant and hope that things work out. Because that just creates more conflict down the line. It's like hitting snooze on conflict. Correct. And I feel like in the you know few years that I was art directing, like a big thing that I had to learn is if you have a deadline, give the artist the deadline well before you need it. Oh, yes. Because artists bless them, very often not good at hitting deadlines. The other thing I will say to that, specifically with artists, have your real deadline in mind and then another deadline, which is two weeks before that deadline, Yep. which is the deadline you tell people. Also, the biggest thing in the world for me and like probably the biggest source of frustration was and, you know, honestly continues to be if you are having a problem, whether it be like health, mentally, you just have too much work to do. Tell me in advance. Oh, yeah. And I will happily, happily accommodate. Just communicate it instead of waiting until the deadline and being like, hey, stuff's going on. I couldn't get it done. It's like, that makes me upset. But I'm not going to be upset if you're like, I'm having a really hard time with my mental health. I completely get it. Yeah, take all the time you need. I'll figure things out on my end. That's right. You don't want to bottleneck a project because you're too afraid to say something. I will mention zero names, but we were working with something. I won't even say what it was with NSP. And it was basically like one person we were working with. And we were like, all right, check in. Does this deadline sound good? Yep, sounds good. Check in. Deadline was like three months away. Check in a month later. Everything on track? Yep, on track. A month after that. Still good? Yep, all good. A month after that, which is the deadline. Uh, Actually, I haven't done anything. And I just got kicked out of my apartment. And I don't think I can even do this project anymore. Bye. It's just like, say something. Tell me. Tell me. That's right. Because then it becomes like, 
completely fucks everybody over. Yeah. And look, all the sympathy in the world for people going through stuff, but be communicative and tell other people what's going on because then you can work together to figure out a solution. And if it's just like, you know what? I actually can't do this anymore. Okay, so be it. This happens to me all the time where someone's like, actually, I can't do this anymore because of fill-in reason. And a very valid reason, like you said, Leighton, is mental health stuff. I just cannot bring myself to do this because I feel like it's hurting me. Fine. Also, you can tell when they've done the last minute rushed work. Mm-hmm. We're totally going in circles here, but it is such a source of frustration and has been for the past like five years of my life. Yes. It's like, just communicate. Going back to answering the original question, I think the biggest piece of advice I would have for myself in regards to creative projects would just be get out of your own fucking way. Yep. Like, I think with anxiety and depression and having low self-esteem, it's like you end up shooting yourself in the feet repeatedly. In the what? In the feet. God damn it. <sighs> Hell yeah. <laughs> I, to this day, and like interpersonally and professionally, oh, I have caused all these problems myself because I don't have faith in myself and I'm hindering my own progress and it's not anybody else's fault. That's me. I hope there were some nuggets in there, some tasty nugs. The foot thing that you mentioned God damn it. actually reminds me of a joke I wrote this week. <sighs> what is a foot person's favorite snack? What? Free toes. All right, play the next message. <laughs> next message. Move it on. Hey, Brian Layton, longtime listener, first time caller, Oakley here. Next month is my spouse's and I first wedding anniversary, and we've spent the entire first year of our marriage in quarantine. I want to do something special for them. Do you guys have any ideas for me? That's beautiful. First of all, congratulations. Congratulations. Second of all, amazing name. Yeah, Oakley. Any ideas, Layton? Yeah, so one, there's an element of this that we can't help with, which is making it personalized. But I think that considering you've been in quarantine and that has been your first year of marriage, I think doing something that is experiential will be useful. Mm -hmm. Whether it's like drive to the beach and go be in nature, have a picnic, like, you know, some sort of safe socially distanced thing, or just like stay in, cook a really nice meal. I'm so obsessed with reading like Reddit relationship advice and am I the asshole? And like every Valentine's Day, there's always like my partner didn't put an effort into a gift and I feel it's not about the gift itself. It's like the lack of care. So uh -huh. gift giving is about showing that you care, that you pay attention, that you love them, that you want to express in whatever way feels right to you. It's little things can mean a lot and it doesn't have to be anything crazy or fancy or special. Just like you love your partner and you want to take care of your partner. So treat them to something that maybe they would want, but wouldn't necessarily give themselves. That's always my rule with gift giving. I think that's an amazing gift. I'm going to take the opposite tack and I'm going to recommend, it's not like the most special gift in the world, but it is a really wonderful thing that Rachel and I discovered recently, which is now going to be our go-to chocolate place. Mm. So it is a chocolatier in Detroit called Bon Bon Bon, B-O-N-B-O-N-B-O-N. And they do these amazing little like artisanal chocolates, but in a really kind of cute and fun and funky way. Oh, these are sexy. Yeah. So we just ordered their Valentine's package. I found this through Zingerman's, which is a, also a Michigan-based food company. And they were talking about this place. And I was like, let's look them up online. And 
everything we've had from them has been amazing. They come in these little individual cardboard boxes with what the chocolate has on them. It's fucking great. You can customize these boxes. You know, it's not the cheapest thing in the world, but it's also not like super crazy, crazy expensive. And I'd say get your partner a lovely box full of Bon Bon Bonds because they're really fun. I think going off of the chocolate thing, I always end up bringing this up and people don't do it as much as I thought they did, but red wine and chocolate pairing Rad. is so fucking good. It's great. It's a very easy way to trick yourself into drinking an entire bottle of wine. Yes. But it is really nice and relatively cheap. You can get like kind of a shitty red and just pick out a couple of different chocolates. You get your dark, you get your milk or something with a little bit of flavor in it. And you just pair them and both bring out the flavors in each other. And it can be like a really fun, romantic thing to do together. Like maybe take a bath, do a bath bomb, do some face masks, get a little bit of that wine and chocolate. Like that's a really, really nice thing you can do. I love it. That's great. Happy one year. Hope it goes great. Yes. Okay. I'm going to play it. This is a pretty awesome voice. Please. Hey guys, name is Sebastian. I don't know if you guys like board games, but have you thought of maybe for a missile playing some on board game arena or another version like that? Lots of love from Argentina. That is an incredible accent. Yes, a wonderful Argentinian accent. What was the question? The question is, if we've thought about playing board games on like a tabletop kind of thing for the podcast. Hmm. I guess we've done chess and scrabbly stuff, but I guess maybe that's something to dog ear for when we're able to do stuff in person, perhaps. Yeah, or we could do the tabletop simulator kind of thing. I'd be totally up for that. The only problem with those is sometimes if it's a really cool board game or really interesting one, often those take forever. Yeah. So we'd need to find something that is not like Settlers of Catan level. <laughs> Let's just play Mousetrap. Oh, hell yeah. By the way, Mousetrap is such a fucking bullshit game. Folks remember the ads for it in the early 2000s that just made it seem like the coolest thing in the world. It's like, this sucks. I have to set this shit up. Yeah, the only thing cool about it is watching it go, and you might as well just set the thing up and then make it trigger. Yeah. Otherwise, it, as a game, it's stupid. Yeah. All right, next message. Hello, Leighton and Brian. My name is Victoria. I've been listening since day one. My question to you is if you could pinpoint a moment in your life as your supervillain origin story, what would it be? Victoria, that's a fabulous question and you have a great voice. For me, I think there's an obvious one, which is the first time I put on the ninja mask. Yeah. And then it just like suddenly I'm myself for the first time kind of thing. That to me seems to be the really obvious one. And then I'm a supervillain ninja or whatever. Also, there's probably some thing with me getting picked on at school, which happened endlessly. I have one that's sort of in that vein. My mother was very, very protective of me growing up. And at this point, I might have been like four or so. It was like in a weird Christian preschool kind of situation. She had never let me go to another kid's birthday party before, or at least one where she wasn't there. So she drove me to my friend's birthday party, dropped me off, left, was clearly very anxious about doing so. You know, normal birthday party, you get your little uh, treat bags or whatever the fuck. We were playing in the yard. It was a really long, big yard, and there was a trampoline at the back. And as a child, the most exciting thing in the world is a trampoline. Oh, yes. And we had to use stairs to get up onto the trampoline because we're all fucking toddlers. And then eventually the mom leans out the back door and is like, ah, cake time. And everybody scrambles out. They go down the stairs. I'm still on the trampoline. They take the stairs with them and go inside. And I am stuck on this trampoline outside while everybody eats cake and nobody knows that I'm out there. <laughs> and then like some thunder starts rolling in. Aww. 
It was one of those cakes that they shove a Barbie in. So I was really excited about eating this cake. Anyway, somebody finally realizes that I'm out there, comes and gets me, and I see that this beautiful cake is all gone. And then my mom comes to pick me up and loses her shit. So I think getting left on a trampoline by a bunch of toddlers was my supervillain origin story. What would your supervillain name be? The Bouncer? (laughs) Yeah, there it is. (laughs) Yeah. Perfect. You're just kicking people out of the club. That is life. (laughs) You know what? Let me pause real quick to go pee, and I will be right back. Just two seconds. Every time Brian leaves, I'm like, I should say something really interesting to the listeners. Uh, And then my brain goes completely blank. So uh, what up? It's me sitting here for Valentine's Day yesterday. I got Taco Bell and got in bed, smoked a ton of weed, sat there watching some red letter media, and I ate three whole donuts in bed. It was very sexy for me. Happy Valentine's Day. One thing that being chronically single for pretty much my entire adult life has taught me is you don't got to make Valentine's Day a big deal. Like, use it as an opportunity to take care of yourself. You don't have to be sad about being single on Valentine's Day. Like, fuck it. Make it about you. Oh, the beauty of not having to talk to anybody on Valentine's Day. Just get to eat three donuts in bed. It's a beautiful thing. Anyway, folks, eat more donuts is the moral of the story. And also maybe don't eat in bed because then your bed will be full of crumbs, which I'm working on. I'm back. Oh, hey, what's up? (laughs) Okay. I guess I'll hear that when I listen to the episode. Moving on. Next. Hey there, Brian and Layton. This is Robert from the Discord. First time caller. Hey. I have a question for both of you. Brian, you've mentioned in the past that The Mystic Crystal is one of the songs you are most proud of. From a music writing standpoint, what element did you bring to the song that elevates it for you? And for Layton... I really enjoyed the Bright Spot Valentine's Day special. What was that experience working with them like? All right, so some specific questions from one of our Discord faves, Robert, who's a big part of that community. To answer the Mystic Crystal part first, for those of you who don't know, that's an NSP song. It's like a 12-minute song about wizards that we're putting together a big video for. Honestly, just getting something that length that's coherent and works motivically, there are some individual parts like little runs that I really like in it. There's this whenever we're writing stuff for NSP and we need a little like proggy run to connect some parts, I always have fun coming up with those. But honestly, it's just the fact that we put together a 12-minute song that to me doesn't feel like a 12-minute song and moves and is still fun. I'm listening to it, you know, we recorded it whatever, two years, two and a half years ago, and I still love it. So I could go into some very specific music stuff. And I know, Robert, you're a musician, so I'm sure you would appreciate that. But like generally, just the fact that the fucking thing works and I still like it. Yeah, that's amazing. That is deeply impressive. To answer the Bright Spot question, I've been very honored that Real Good Touring very regularly taps me to help them out with stuff and be a part of things. And Brian and I were a part of the last Bright Spot, which is what we did the TikToks for, which was super fun. Yes, I humped my backyard. It's true, yeah. But for this one, the pitch was, Vernon was like, yo, I'm in an RGT meeting right now. Do you want to reject Anthony Carboni for a Valentine's Day thing? And I was like, yes, of course I do. And then that role kind of changed a little bit to be like, okay, you're going to be a manic pixie dream girl and you're going to have a meet cute. So I guess I can say this because it kind of clearly is. The part where Anthony and I run into each other at the end was pre-taped. Most of the show was live, but that was pre-taped. You know, you got to get multiple camera angles on that. But uh, the number of times that we had to physically bump into each other, 
there was one, I was wearing heels for the first time in a year and I did a genuine straight up pratfall and I'm so mad. On purpose? No, because it's like we bump into each other and I drop a book and papers and like I genuinely slipped and fell and I immediately cracked up laughing because anytime I injure myself, my reflexive response is to laugh. And it was like, I need to get that footage from Tucker because I want to see it because all I want in my comedy career is to achieve the level of just absolute perfection of Philip Seymour Hoffman's Pratt Fallen Along Came Polly. Mm -hmm. There is no telegraphing. It's just perfect. That's the closest that I've ever come to that. Yeah, it was super fun. Anthony Carboni and I trying to say the same lines at the same time. Difficult, not easy. Anyway, it was super fun. It was great. I'm glad people liked it and we raised money. Layton, did Rachel tell you the bit that we proposed? No. So... I was going to do a pre-tape thing, but it didn't end up happening. And so we were talking with some of the RGT people about potential bits. And I guess this wasn't something that I was going to do, but we were proposing it. So Rachel is in the audience and they go to her for like a love connection thing. And they're like, who's your ideal man? And she starts describing someone who is very clearly Anthony. Oh, yeah. No, we did this. Oh, you did it. Okay, great. Yeah, we did it, and then we did the thing where it was like a little game where they would show somebody close up on the eyes with the mask on, and like it was basically like a smasher pass kind of situation, and then like you were the second one who came up or something. Oh, they did do that. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah, and Rachel was like, no, absolutely not. I had this bit where she would be kind of like negging him. Oh, the ego on you. Like, yeah, she did. Perfect. That was great, and nobody on stage knew beforehand who they were going to throw up with the masks on, except for Army Hammer, because, you know, he flashed up while we were doing Tech Check. All right, moving on. Next. Hey, Leighton and Brian, long-time listener, first-time caller. Congrats on a whole year of episodes. Really appreciate that y'all have been here doing this for this long. It's kind of become part of my routine. Like, every Friday when a new episode is dropped, I wait till night to, like, listen to it, and I'll, like, listen while I'm playing Smash. So it's like beating people up online while listening to all goof and gaff with a mystery guest. It's, Hell yeah. it's pretty cool. And it helps keep me consistent in these times. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, I just have to say, I, I don't care what anybody thinks. I love the What's Poppin' bit. Yes. It's funny every time. <laughs> Correct. Every time, Leighton. Agreed. <laughs> all right. I'm sorry. So yeah, congrats again. Stay safe. Come hard. So long. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Points taken for the what's poppin' bit, but you, my friend, have my favorite voice of this episode. Absolutely, right? Gorgeous. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I don't have anything to say to that, except that, uh, yeah, you're right. The what's poppin' bit <laughs> is pure magic. <laughs> yeah, that seems like a good one to round out on. Folks, we have a few more messages that we were not able to get to in today's episode, so we are going to try to answer them on this week's mini, hopefully. Which we will. I will commit to that right now. Sick. Leighton, I promise. Let's do What's Poppin'. What's Poppin'. So the theme song goes here. Leighton, here's the deal with the theme song. <laughs> the theme for, song. Jared, put the theme song right for, here. For what? What's Poppin'. What's Poppin'. Well, I guess you beat me in my own game. Yeah, and I'm going to go first. Fuck you. Wow. My what's poppin' is I have not consumed any new content this week, but I have returned to one of my favorite YouTube videos of all time just because I've been getting really into like pedals and, you know, playing bass and stuff. And it just reminded me of this absolutely spectacular video that I'm sure most people have seen and you've probably seen, but I'm going to just drop it in the chat. 
this video has just been stuck in my head on a loop, and it's a very problematic one to constantly be singing to yourself. How to write an Alt-J song. So, what is Alt-J? Have you not heard an Alt-J song? I don't think I have. I don't know what this means. It's sort of like a neo-psychedelic kind of stuff. I guess this isn't going to be as funny to you because you haven't heard his music, but I will tell you that this is 100% accurate to an Alt-J song. All right, I'm just going to watch a little bit of it here. This is how Alt-J makes music. It's two college kids, maybe stoned, eating rice cakes as they fuck around in their dorm room, and it's delightful. Yeah, I need to understand the reference to really see what's going on here. Yeah, regardless, it's still a jam and it has wonderful energy. Cool. Here, I'm going to, for the first time, listen to an Alt-J song. By the way, let's not put this audio in the episode because we keep getting copyright claims. The top one on Spotify is Breeze Blocks. Breeze Blocks is okay. I would listen to Fitz Pleasure. All right, here we go. Uh huh. Mm hmm. Okay. Yeah, I hate this. <laughs> so that should give you a pretty good idea of what the general vibe is. It's a lot of unintelligible, very specific voice, you know. What genre is this? Who is this dude? I don't know. I truthfully, I really like Alt J. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, obviously, a lot of people do. Also, this is literally the worst environment to be listening to new music in, where it's like, do it now. Yeah, do it so you understand the context of this very specific meme. I mean, Klee's very, very popular, obviously. Yeah. Which always leads me to believe that there's something I'm missing, and I never want to base an opinion of an artist on one song. I will say, however, I did not like that. Tragic. Anyway, so that makes the video make more sense in context. Great. Anyway, so I've had butt put it in my butt. <laughs> uh, stuck in my head on a loop just <laughs> all week. Brian, what's popping? What's popping for me is a movie that I watched two-thirds of last night <laughs> with Rachel. This is rare for me because it is a current release. It is Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar with Kristen Wiig and Annie Momolo. Do you know what this movie is, Layden? No, I haven't heard about it at all. So it is a Kristen Wiig, I think they wrote it together, and Annie Momolo comedy about two middle-aged women who go to Florida. And it is weird and funny and... Like very brightly colored. I had to go to bed because uh, we started it kind of late and I'm old, but I will watch the rest of it tonight. But I have not seen like a really funny, weird, quirky comedy like this in a long time. You know, is it a total A plus? No, but what is? I just really, really like the vibe of it. And the two leads, Kristen Wiig and Annie Mumolo, are fantastic. I didn't know Mumolo, but she's written a ton of stuff and is a performer too. She wrote Bridesmaids, for example. Oh, this looks fun. Yeah, so she's like a very accomplished person, and she's just a joy in this movie. It's also got Jamie Dornan, and he plays a very weird, repressed, tightly wound guy who doesn't emote, and he's perfect for it. Oh, sick, so that's relatable. Yeah. <laughs> I really like this film. I'm excited to finish watching it tonight. So maybe something changes at the end and it gets terrible, but the first two thirds at least were really, really great and fun. Hell yeah. So yeah, Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Highly recommended. Six. So let's do our gratitude exercise, peaches and lemons. Great. Here's Themes. the theme. No, here's the theme. Peaches and lemons. Peaches and lemons. We'll start with lemons. Would you like to share a lemon? Yes, I will, which is that my internet didn't fucking work. <laughs> I think that this expensive mesh router that I bought, like, a, I don't know, a year ago, just would not connect to the internet. And luckily, 
because I anticipated something like this happening at some point. I bought a 200-foot Ethernet cable and ran it from my garage to my kitchen, and that is what is connecting my computer right now to the internet is a 200-foot-long blue Ethernet cable, which the moment I tried it out over the weekend, Audrey tripped over it and scraped her knee. Not very seriously, but it's just like, so now I've set up a death trap for my family. (laughs) Also, I can have high-speed internet in my studio, at least temporarily. Yet again, the internet proves to be a dangerous, dangerous thing. I, for one, welcome our (laughs) internet overlords. Wow, this fucking cable, it's so ridiculous. The thing is, I can't close the door to the garage or the door to the house fully with this thing in. Because it's a fat cable. Because it's a big, fat Ethernet cable. So bugs are getting into the garage while I'm doing this. I killed a bunch of these little, like, kind of natty, Mm -hmm. sort of nat, like G-N-A-T, like like a nat, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Bugs trying to fucking record this thing all because this goddamn Wi-Fi didn't work. I'm upset about this. That's such a perfect lemon, though. Just, like, a thing that is insanely annoying. Vernon put it really well of like a lemon is something that ruins your next 10 to 15 minutes. Yes, that's exactly what it is. I fucking spent $200 on this goddamn mesh extender too, and it doesn't work half the time. Very upsetting. Ah, fabulous. My lemon is that I keep sleeping through my alarm, which that wouldn't necessarily be the problem. But the thing is, is that when I'm dreaming, I hear the alarm going off and cannot wake up. Oh, shit. And it's like a very annoying, tinkly thing. And with my phone, it'll show you like how long the alarm's been going off. And so I overslept by an hour today and the entire dream, which was already very stressful, I was hearing it. I was like, it's so fucking annoying. How do I turn this off? Is my phone going off in the dream? Like what's happening? And I wake up and it's been going off for an hour and a great way to start the day, just being fucking irritated. Wow. It's just that repetitive noise. It haunts me. Very annoying. Yeah. Like, it's going off. Why am I not waking up? This is bullshit. This is the whole point of an alarm. Anyway. We decided Audrey was old enough to get up with an alarm. And so we started setting an alarm for her. And boy, does she fucking hate it. Every morning she wakes up now and she goes, it's really funny. It's horrible. And you'd think like, oh, maybe I can make waking up a little bit easier if I set a song as my ringtone. And it's like, okay, congrats. You're going to hate that song for the rest of your life now. Yep. All right. Peaches. Go ahead. Okay. Peach number one is we got ramen for lunch today. Yo. And ramen is delicious. It was a great lunch. Today is Monday, so Audrey has off from school for President's Day. And we decided to go out and get some ramen, and it was a great decision. I didn't realize I was getting this at the time. Mine had like chopped raw onion in it, which really got nice and crunchy and kind of mushy in the broth. Oh, it was perfect. Perfect ramen experience. Peach number two is that I've been playing the new Switch port of Super Mario 3D World and Bowser's Fury with Audrey. And when Mario turns into gigantic cat Mario, she loses her mind every time. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah, so Bowser's Fury, I didn't look this up. I mean, that's new, right? Bowser's Fury is new. I know Super Mario 3D World is old because it was a Wii U game, I think. I hate video games, I don't know. Yeah, but I think Bowser's Fury is new. And wow, he's real big and he's real mean. And then Mario gets real big in a cat costume. And it's very exciting to a six-year-old who loves Mario. My third peach is that I'm happy COVID numbers are going down because who knows what's going to happen with these new variants. But right now, things are moving in a good direction for the first time in a while. So let's hope that this keeps up for the foreseeable future. But it's nice to see that we're past this huge fucking bump from the winter. I'm just, oh, that was awful. 
Yeah. And my heart goes out to everybody affected by it. But I don't know if we have any anti-vaccine people listening to this. I would hope not. But please, when you can, go get vaccinated. Certainly, I'm far away from that myself because of good health and age. But if you have an opportunity to get this vaccine, fucking do it. And who knows what's going to happen. But at least right now, I feel like there's a bunch to be grateful for. Yeah, for the moment. My peaches are, my first one is one that I've already talked about extensively, but just being a part of Bright Spot was a true, true bright spot. You know, I haven't seen so many, like Rachel, Matt, and Ryan, like in a year, you know, getting to see Anthony again, Alana, I made new friends. Like it was just uh, really refreshing to be in a group of people shooting the shit about movies or whatever. Like I'm an introvert, but I did not realize how much I need that shit in my life. Yeah. My second peach is that last week I wasn't able to play bass that much, but this weekend I was getting more into it and like it's getting easier. It's making more sense. My calluses are thicker, so it doesn't hurt so bad. So just learning a bunch of fun stuff and it's exciting to mess around with pedals and all that fun shit. And I was trying to write a bass line for a song that I was working on last night, which is like a very different muscle to flex. Yeah. So that is cool. By the way, I talked to Meowch and he was like, Tell Layton to let me give her lessons. <laughs> I, I know. I know. He has been so kind to reach out and say that. And I just have not been touching the bass at all this week until now. And I was too embarrassed. I totally get it. It's very different having a friend teach you a thing than it is to have like a random person. Because it's like, all right, at least random person. Like, I don't feel bad about fucking up. Not that Meowth would be even remotely judgmental. It's just my own hang up. Yeah. I mean, he's literally like one of the best bassists I've ever met. He's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I'm sure he's a great teacher too. Like if he's offering to teach you bass, jump at that chance because you're not going to do better. Yeah. Okay. I will message him after this. And my final peach is on the one-year anniversary of the last thing that I did pre-COVID, which was Dr. Cecil H. H. Mill's release party, first book. Mm. Fuck that man. Mm. Really ruined the night. You're kind of an asshole. On March 10th or 11th, Taco Bell's bringing back the potatoes, baby. Oh, really? Wow. I'm very excited for you. Yeah, yeah. I love that all of my friends are also eagerly awaiting this day, and I hope that we may all break bread over the old Discord, just chowing down on some cheesy Fiesta potatoes. God bless. Taco Bell, fuck you for taking those away in the first place and depriving us of that much-needed treat in this trying time. But thanks for uh, coming to your senses, I guess. Cool. Well, Layton, congratulations on one year of this podcast. Congratulations on one year, Brian. Look at us go. And thank you, everybody, who left us such sweet messages. Genuinely, really heartwarming. And um, we're just so appreciative that you're along for the ride with us. To everybody who is listening, no matter whether you're on the Patreon or not, but especially if you're on the Patreon, we really do appreciate you guys being here and supporting us. This has been such a joy to do for this year, and we're going strong. It's just onward and upward. We don't have any major format changes planned for the coming year, although I'm sure some random fucking idea will occur to us, and then we'll decide to just do that for a while. But we're going to have lots of great guests, and if you have any people you think you'd like to hear on here, we're always way open to suggestions. So thank you all for being a part of this. This has been a real, real highlight of my year. It's just such a fun thing to look forward to every week. I love getting on the, I was going to say on the phone, uh, which is basically what it is. But yeah, let's say getting on the horn. Yeah, get them on the horn. I love getting on the horn with you every week, Layden. A couple times a week, we do the full episode, we do the mini episode. It is just really, really fun. It's a delight. Thank you for doing this with me. 
And thank you for also being such a, a sweet friend to my daughter who absolutely loves you and talks about you quite a lot, actually. Oh my God. I love Audrey so much. The uncomplicated love of a child, especially when she is such an incredibly special child. I was like going off to Anna in bright spot of just like how much I love Audrey. <laughs> well, she absolutely loves you too. She's very excited to do more clay and show off. Clay date. Yep. Oh, she's into it. I told you and Rachel told you. Rachel got her some clay and so... She really wants to do that again with you. And it's awesome also to have, you know, anyone can do clay with a kid, but A, not everyone would be willing, and B, not everyone who would do that is an incredible artist like you are. No. So it's just such a nice, like, role model to have for... Hooray! Yeah, I feel like half the reason I got into art is just because I knew so many, like, older girls as a child who were, like, really good at drawing. Or, you know, I used to do theater and there was a girl who would always, like, a very goth, actually more scene, who would sit in the corner at, like, every theater rehearsal that I did just, like, draw an anime shit. Uh, so shout out to you, lady. I forgot what your name is, but you got me here. That's how you get into stuff. You, you see someone, like, older than you do it and you're like, whoa, sick. Let's do that for a while. Yeah. All right, folks. Thank you for being here. Take care of yourselves. And as always, stay safe, come hard. That's the end of the podcast. I can't believe we're still doing that. Bye. It works. Anyway, goodbye. People love it. Come hard, guys. Uh, all right. Uh, uh, goodbye. Bye. Late Night is produced by Brian Wett, Leighton Gray, and Jarek Centeno. Follow us on Twitter at Leighton Night, on Instagram at Leighton underscore night, or email us at LeightonKnight at gmail.com.